You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit bpn.fm to discover more. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. In today's episode, we'll discuss the intersection of culture and Thanksgiving with a deep dive into the Thanksgiving play on Broadway. We'll also discuss the renowned sign in Sidney Brewstein's window and share our thoughts on the latest album from the Jonas Brothers. So sit back, relax, and let's dive into the world of entertainment. This is Half Hour with Jeff and Richie. Half hour. What's up, everybody? It's Jeff and Richie, your co-host, and we're bringing you our weekly conversation on our top theater and pop topics. And uh, just as a disclaimer to everyone, this episode may feature some spoilers on some of the topics that we will be talking about. But we have a lot to talk about today, so let's get into it, right? And we're starting with... The Thanksgiving play. Yes, we're giving you two show discussions today and an album, so lots to get to. Mm-hmm. We're starting with The Thanksgiving Play. It's a satirical comedy by Larissa Fasthorse that premiered off-Broadway in 2018. The play centers around a group of well-intentioned but clueless white educators who attempt to stage a politically correct Thanksgiving play for Native American Heritage Month. And mayhem ensues. Uh, this is playing at the Helen Hayes Theater on Broadway, directed by Rachel Chafkin. So, um, wow, this, uh, well, I will say this got no love from the Tony Awards. No. It didn't get one Tony nomination for anything. Some people are a little shocked about that. Um, it's also not selling very well. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I have a lot of thoughts on this. And my overall thoughts, I'll say, I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. I had a good time. I laughed a lot more than I thought I was. I, it was much more of a comedy piece than I thought it was going to be. Um, it made me think. I was really just like thought-provoked on the whole piece and just like, thought to myself, wow, it really makes you re- reflect on the holiday of Thanksgiving in this country. Mm-hmm. Um, and in general, it was fine. Yeah. It wasn't horrible. I've seen much worse things. It wasn't, maybe this, I mean, maybe this was supposed to be groundbreaking. I don't know if it was for me. I don't. And so I was like, okay, I will say this though. Something was missing. Mm. I don't know what. I don't know if it was more comedy, if it was shouldn't have been so funny, were there more characters that were needed? Something just seemed missing to me. It was almost like I saw a workshop production of it, mm. and now the writer's going to go back and do some more edits before it comes to Broadway. I hate to say that. Okay. It just doesn't seem finished to me. Interesting but I take. But I enjoyed it. Yes. And I enjoyed what the message was. So yeah. I'll leave that. Now, what would you say about it? <laughs> <laughs> okay, I... I mean, I had a good time watching this as it was supposed to be funny. And, but at the same time, like you said, thought provoking in a way, kind of get you thinking about history 
in this country and how it's been displayed to us and how other people receive history. So it's really interesting in that sense. And I, you know, there's the big topic in this show about liberalism and political wokeness. And I think that's, you know, the real goal in this is tackling those topics. But I don't know if it necessarily is going to come across like that to people. And I feel like you're going to get some people there that are watching this and are going to, you know, see it as an eye-opening and experience, or you're going to get people that are just going to watch it and be like, hmm, whatever, I'm going to go back to celebrating Thanksgiving the way that I want to. It, it, it was almost like, are we if if you want change to happen on this subject, mm-hmm. I kind of feel like the play should have then been treating itself more serious. Right. And I feel like comedy was masking things. And I guess that's the point, right? It's satire. So it's like, let's take the most liberal people and kind of let them fall on their face a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and at like a clown it was clownish at times. Right. And so I guess at the end, the bottom line is like, don't tell this story story like i didn't they all agree like we just shouldn't tell this story but like is that what the playwright wants us to think no one should just tell the story anymore mm-hmm. or we should we learn about the real version of the story and not have a thanksgiving holiday anymore like what was i would love to just know like what is the the one-liner that you want people to walk away from mm-hmm. from your play and i can't nail that right because when we did leave it was like oh okay. all right i guess yeah we just don't do anything Right. And then the cringe moments, which were supposed to be cringe, I think, and which I think worked, maybe was a more of a director choice, too, was the videos of the kids doing the pageants. Mm-hmm. And we've all seen that and been there and, been and seen, <laughs> yeah, in elementary schools and things like that, right? right? So I was sitting around people in the audience that were like, <laughs> instead of, oh, this is actually, let me listen. Like, was the intention for the audience to sit and, like, really listen and... Or were we supposed to be like, oh, yeah, this is stupid, right? Anyway, bye. Like, Well, it felt sort of like an SNL skit that was turned into a longer feature. Like, normally you would, you would see something like this in, like, sketch comedy yeah. where it was like, oh, okay, no, there's some truth in this. But it's also, okay, we'll, we'll make fun of it. So, I, I, I will also say Darcy Carden is great. She's really fun up there. Mm-hmm. I've never seen her live. I just thought she played that role really well. And Katie Finneran, I mean, hello. She's been in a million things. I love her. She was fine, too. The boys were fine, too. Scott Foley, Chris Sullivan. Yeah, I mean, they were, were fine. fine. I I thought that, like, if it was theater of the absurd, like blood splattering on the walls and holding the head, then go more with it. Mm-hmm. If it's comedy, push more comedy. Right. If it's drama and serious topic, then Bring us there. It almost like it didn't know what it wanted to be. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to say this too. It's a Native American woman playwright. Love that. I really think like if I'm a Native American actor or actress, wouldn't I have been like, this could have been your chance to put representation on the stage, literal Native American presence on stage mm-hmm. and have a debate about this wouldn't it have kind of made sense to have someone come from the Native American heritage in the town and, like, explain this to them instead of them have to fall on their face and say, okay, well, I guess we're not going to do it. Bye. Like, I still think I, I that's think, the point, though. No, I know that that's the point, but I don't think that point really worked for me. But I think that's the point in that do, okay, take, you know, elementary schools around here that are putting Thanksgiving plays on, probably, and... Are they inviting someone from the Native American? Right. That's the point. They're probably not. 
right. So it's not Maher, but you know, and so right. It's like no, that's the, the harsh reality is that they're probably not. And so this play got a grant, and instead found an actress who might pass as Native American. I get it. Like I mm-hmm. think there was something that really did work there, and then there was times I was like. I'm like 95% there. I don't feel really feel like a bow was wrapped onto this present Mm. and that it was ready for Broadway. And maybe that's why I kind of got some mixed reviews and not not a lot of award nominees. I don't know. Well, what's kind of interesting, too, is that this play has been described as a musty for anyone that's interested in race, representation, and cultural appropriation issues. Yeah. But after talking about this for a little bit, do you really think like that that's like this play is getting that point across? I don't know because I just wish it was ser- more serious. Listen, comedy can really expose. Like I think com- it when you're talking about something serious, it doesn't always have to be drama. It right. could be comedy can tell a different way of looking at something. Mm. I just um, wanted to. I just feel like something was missing, and I can't figure it out. Maybe the direction it seemed really stiff, like yeah. de- tables and chairs, and like. When the ceiling rose at the end and there was blood on the wall, like maybe we're going there. I kind of wanted the, something like from the minutes, not to compare, but the minutes had this like twilight zone element to it. Like it was raining outside and there was this mystery. Why were people acting that way? I almost wish if we were going to go comedy, we could have gone like Little Shop of Horrors esque comedy with the, the absurdity of it. Mm. And it didn't go there enough for me. Right. But, it still needs, know. I, right. You I, know what I mean? I think the verdict here that we're getting is kind of that like this. Didn't really hit the mark. It had good moments. It has the intentions, but was still missing something. And I get, listen, I get it. Like, these Thanksgiving plays make no sense. Kids need to really be taught what actually happened. And and Thanksgiving is this wildly misconstrued holiday now. And I get it. Like, but, but I don't really necessarily know if the playwright is saying, like, teach them what really happened. They're kind of just saying, like... Stop talking about stop it. Stop talking about right. it. Right. So, like, stop... Like, let's not really harp on it. But then if you're going to learn about it, like, actually read a textbook on it or a book on it and educate yourself and then move on. Yeah. All right. I guess. Well, I don't guess know. guess what? The play's kind of doing what it's supposed to get you talking about. Yeah, yeah. So... <laughs> I also, like... I, I The title is throwing me a little, like, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. There's just... I'm so irked by it because I really feel like there could have just been one thing and I would be like, okay, mm-hmm. button, end of play, makes sense. And I, I, there was something missing. Yeah. But there was not, it was nice. It and was I, fine. I, and, and thank, thankful to Second Stage for having a Native American woman's play represented on Broadway. Like, we should be seeing a lot more of that. Right. I love that. To kind of close on this, too, do you feel like that this show is just preaching to the choir that's already um, – aligned with this issue yeah like who's going to this probably like white liberal new yorkers already so maybe it is for them sure is it preaching to the choir or is it possibly to them you know maybe it's both Hmm. i don't know it's It's interesting thought yeah yeah and we know the tony nominations already and that this did not get anything do you think it was snubbed I really think it could have been thrown a best play. It's yeah. a very original idea. I wouldn't have probably given it to anything else. The design, the acting was fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, nothing really to nominate, I don't think. But I think it could have gotten a best play nomination. I, yeah. I could have seen that. Maybe a featured actress. Yeah. Unless they would have all considered leading. Yeah, I don't know. See, that's hard. I don't know. Yeah. But that's the Thanksgiving that's play. That's nice. And it is playing for a few more weeks. I think it's still early June. So if you're really 
curious and you're thinking, oh, maybe I should go see it and see if it's like another thing. Like, why didn't they put this out during Thanksgiving? I know. I kind of thought (laughs) that too. Like, it would have kind of made sense as we're preparing food and gatherings, and and there's the holiday coming up. Like, we could have then seen this. And second stage does show you like think about the holiday a bit. Yeah, yeah. It's like now. It's like let's do a play about a holiday that, and then do it at the opposite time of year. It's like doing Christmas in right now, like a Christmas show, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, we're going on to another play that we saw recently that did get a little bit of Tony buzz. Yes. And that play is, drumroll please, please, The Sign in Sidney Brewstein's Window. Uh, it's a play by Lorraine Hansberry. Uh, it premiered on Broadway in 1964 to 1965, and it closed two days before Hansberry died. Mm. Um, and she died of cancer, I believe, at 35 or 36 years old. Um, Raising in the Sun yeah. is her... Like, Classic. amazing piece. And this. And I think what's amazing about this, it, the play is set in Greenwich Village, New York City. Um, follows the lives of a group of Bohemian, lives of a group of Bohemian intellectuals as they grapple with issues of identity, politics, social responsibility. The play explores themes of race, class, gender, and is considered a groundbreaking work for American theater. And I we agree. saw this at the James Earl Jones Theater, directed by Anne Kaufman. It was sold out in Brooklyn. Um, this was a really last-minute add to the season. Yeah, because Room was supposed yeah. to go there yeah. with Adrian Warren. Yeah. This got two Tony, Tony nominations, I believe, for Best Revival of a Play. This is, I believe, the second or third revival of this play, so that's come quite a bit. And a Tony nomination for Featured Actress in a Play for Miriam Silverman. So it's so interesting because I had never heard of this play before. I vaguely heard of it, but I never really Because like, we always... Growing up, you always hear about a raisin in the sun. Right. And, you know, right. that's what we study in school. I, always, I look at this similar to, like, Jonathan Larson. Like, if these people didn't pass as Ugh. young as they did, what more would we have gotten out of them? I know. Because when we left the show, we were just, like, blown away. Yeah. well, Especially because the show itself, it always talked about how could there could act two have been executed differently if she did not pass. Because wasn't she still... She was still kind of in some rewrites, and there were some edits, and she was sick. And they always say, like, it was never 100% done. Mm-hmm. And the reviewers, I think, were... They, it didn't get great reviews on, on the original when it opened. Well, it felt done to me. But yeah. could there have been other things maybe, you know, more developed in Act 2? Probably. And I thought there was a lot going on. So there was definitely times where, like, whoa, we're talking about race. We're talking about gender. We're talking about orientation. We're talking about politics. We're talking about marriage, love. There's, like, a, which I love when a play has so many yeah. themes, right? But there was a lot of themes. For a two-hour and 45-minute play, I feel like I could have sat there for another hour and heard more about these people's lives. And it wasn't boring. No. And, and let's talk about that. First okay. of all, the play is good. Yes. It is well-written. She knows exactly what she was doing. Mm-hmm. And there's references to Greek tragedy and Shakespeare. Oh, I, words to me. How many times do you see a play and you're like, okay, it's just dialogue. And this is not just dialogue. No. There's like beauty in this word. And there's the depth. And oh, yeah. it just, watching this and you see this and you're like, oh, the writing. Yeah, it's written Especially really for well. the time you're like, you're taking all of these topics that are still like, so in today's world and culture, but I'm just like listening to this and the development of each character. And also let's give a round of applause to this whole cast oh, and yeah. crew on this because they were phenomenal. Well, let's talk about that. Oscar Isaac. Yes. I really feel like he carries a lot of the show robbed of a Tony nomination. Robbed. In my opinion, he's very, very good at what he robbed. does. Carrying the show on his back at times. Yeah. 
Yeah. And Especially just, at the, at that end scene with the sister and they were doing the drugs and dancing and like the uh, commitment to that. Um, Rachel Brosnahan, great. Yeah. Never saw her before. I've actually never seen Marvelous Miss Maisel and everyone can't believe that, but I just have seen Except for the things. first episode. Yeah. <laughs> um, she's fine. I, yeah. I don't think there was anything groundbreaking in the role for her to do much with. Um, she was fine. Yeah. For me. Um, everyone else was great. Miriam Silverman. Let's go there. First of all, she got an applause at her entrance because we had seen, I think, one of the first performances the since the nominations yeah. had come out. And this woman, I, I always feel so good about a character in a show when I want so much more from them. And when they leave a scene, I'm like, no, come back, please. You're so good at what you're doing. And you're written really well. Yeah. Oh, it's the trifecta of just like live theater with a good well-written character and a well-performed actress in the role. Oh, it was like and everything she did to me was like spellbinding. It was a great like, character. And she's getting my pick for Tony. She'll, I think she's going to win the Tony Award for I that. think so. She's just the one-liners. And she could have totally went over the top with it. She didn't. There was this subdued... I, I knew who that was. I could probably name... Uh, some not named directly, but I could see people in the world like, oh my I god, could. there's people like this in the world. That, Still, today, yeah, in yeah. 2023, and I'm like, and oh my like, god, you have no chill, lady. But like, also like, you had. I loved her scene in Act Two with him. I just loved that. Well, I just, I just loved it. And that character is so interesting because of the mask that you have to put on for mm-hmm. it, and that is she, she's wearing a mask in general of like her values and her p- politics and you know, even on her thoughts on race. And then she takes that mask off for like, what, 10 minutes. And you see the real her. And then the mask and you goes right back on. All she... of these skeletons that this woman has. Yeah. And like the fact that we're even talking this much about that character. Yeah. It's probably one of the most well-written characters. Yeah, in a I've play. ever seen. And then she play. puts that mask back on and goes back out into the world and leaves. And we don't ever see her again. I think she maybe. When the sister dies at the end, not her, the other sister, is she in the final scene? I can't remember. I think she was. Yes. Yeah, when she came, comes back the next day. Yeah. I also want to talk a little bit about all these themes. Like, yeah. the marriage, the, the the struggle of love that these two are having. Yeah. Uh, there's also, I thought it was really interesting what, what they were doing with race and orientation. And they had a black man and a gay man. And in the dinner scene, the dinner fell apart because it was interesting to see the black man and the gay man not getting along mm-hmm. and that scene. And they, and almost, I think they were, I'm paraphrasing. I think there was a line maybe from the gay character who the neighbor who lived upstairs who said like, we're the minority. Like we're both in a minority here. Like maybe we should not be like, like it's interesting to see that you never yeah. really see like a clash between two groups like that on a stage. And it wasn't, and, and, and how the dinner kind of fell apart because I thought that was interesting mm-hmm. from a writing perspective. Yeah. Um, lots going on. The politics of it all. Well, I I feel like the biggest message in this that I really took away from this was around that word reform. Which was and, the sign. And is the sign. Right. But also, what does that word mean to every single person in oh, that yeah. show? And it's so different for each person. Like reform or like reinvent themselves or changing politics in the state, but not really. And it always was so interesting to me that they all wanted to change in some sort of a way, but none of them could. Yeah. Or they could, it's almost like they all had forks in the road 
and they all chose a different path. And it's like no one was forced. Yeah, like what, well, they didn't really change their paths. That, that's what what I found was so interesting yeah, is yeah. they're all going and they come to a certain place where they can make that decision of saying, "Oh, I can do something differently." But then they continue down that same yeah. path of not doing something different, except. What we get to the end here is their relationship. We're watching this relationship, and then finally, it wasn't until the sister passed away that they. But isn't now, that interesting that it took a de- a literal death yeah. for them to say, "Okay, we got to change course here," because there was there was who felt what about gender, race, orientation, politics, careers, money. I mean, yeah. there was so many different topics here. Yeah, careers for sure, and then marriage, love, and then and and then it it. it Let's talk about the sister coming in for what ten or fifteen, maybe a little longer, fifteen minutes at the end of the piece. What a what a role! Yeah, what a performance! I was blown away by her. Blown away by her. And I, Broadway debut. Broadway debut. Yes. Um, it was. I'm going to find her name. Gus Birney, Gloria. Yeah. Gloria. I hope I'm saying that right. Yeah. Really, really stunning. Comes in. I was waiting for her the whole show too, because she's the only character we didn't yes, meet until Act Two. And I was like, wow, she's coming in here. And she is a prostitute. So, yeah. basically. Yeah. yeah. Um, Which, for a play on Broadway in the 60s to have these characters like this and to be saying this was probably a kind of groundbreaking thing of the time, yeah. I would think. You know? And even she she had her own issues with things. So, you know. It, it, was, it was really nice. I wish it got a little more Tony Buzz. It's only running till July, early July. It is long, but you know what? I've seen long plays. Yeah. And I felt they were long plays. This didn't seem that long to me because no, I was because really it was engaged. engaged. Yeah, I was engaged as well. It was yeah. captivating. I, you know, you resonate with the work that's happening yeah. on the stage, and it just worked. You yeah. know, I would love to leave on like a final question here for everyone yeah. too. Is like to you and like whoever's going to listen. But do you feel like people are going to really be impacted by this work still today? Sure, and it'll be back. Yeah. It'll, we'll see it in 20 years. Yeah. It's just because it's about a specific time in New York history and American history, but it's, look at all the problems we're still dealing with today. Yeah. And they're talked about in this play 50, 60 years ago, right? So, yeah. They're all slightly different, but they're still diff- around the same right. you know, oh, What do I always say? Themes. We've, we, in a way, we've come a long ways, but we still have to keep going, yeah. you know? And so, really great plays. I love, I love what New York theater is just bringing. Like, you can't get this in many other places besides, like, New York, and I love it, so... <laughs> All right, we're transitioning over to some pop music now. Pop time. All right, from theater to pop. Here we go. <laughs> uh, actually, it's kind of tying into this because the Jonas Brothers, who did their whole little Broadway week stunt this year, so bringing these Broadway boys here, just released their new album, titled The New Album. So they're back with their highly anticipated fifth studio album. It was simply titled The Album. Interesting. Uh, this trio brings a fresh mix of pop, rock, R&B to their sound. They always have their catchy hooks, their upbeat rhythms, and heartfelt lyrics. Um, I feel like this album showcases the growth and evolution of the Jonas Brothers as an artist, and fans and critics are agreeing. So... I listened to you it. You listened to this and without I said, me. So. I said, without you, and I said, I'm not telling you my opinion about this till I'm live on the mic on the podcast. So you're all getting... Jeff is going to react right now to what I think about this. Here we go. I'm lit... I am not kidding... I'm literally obsessed with it. <laughs> to the point where I listen to it all again. Great. I, I'm obsessed with it. I re- You know me with pop music. I'm very picky. Mm-hmm. 
It is so well done. Yeah. I've always kind of liked them. I've never been a fanny obsessed. Um, I don't know where to start. The chords, the music, the instrumentals, the vocals, the lyrics. Yeah. Their harmonies are so tight. It's wildly good. I'm going to listen to it all summer. And I literally, okay, no joke, I teared up during the Little Bird song. I was like, cry, not crying, but I was like tearing up driving my car like, oh my God, this is so good. Like, and now I'm really upset we're not going to see that at Yankee Stadium. Because that's coming up, right? I, I guess feel like we could tickets. still try to go. I, I love that it's titled The Album. Like, it is summer. It is, and let me tell you something. I, I, I don't know what it was, but... I'm just going to the 1970s. Yeah. It's almost like they took every genre of music of the 70s. Disco, R&B, folk, rock, yeah. pop, jazz, well, and, and exposed, exploded 70s culture. I, I was so... I, I can't stop thinking about it. And the, it's so interesting that the 70s is like really so prominent in pop music today. Yeah. Like the disco and the Motown era. And there was so much Motown influence into yeah. this album. And you can tell that they are great musicians, they're great writers, and they study music. Oh, they definitely did. I mean, Nick Jonas even has a history of performing on Broadway as a kid. I mean, yeah. they, they came from a musical family. They're just, they just know what they're doing. I really couldn't tell you one song I didn't like, and I never say that. Well, it's probably their most cohesive record. Yeah. I think. Yeah. That you can play from start to finish. Yes. It just really has that whole vibe that you could just turn it on and press play. I, I like never thought I'd be saying this in my adult life, but I, cause I feel like when we were like teenagers and in high school and in college, Jonas Brothers were like so big. We we're like, Oh my God. But like as an adult, all these years later, I'm like literally obsessed with this album. I just can't get over how good it is. Yeah. Well, I'm in agreement with you. Yeah. When I was listening, I was like, I didn't know. Cause you know, the Jonas Brothers can always be hit or miss. Yeah. Not everyone like loves them. Yeah. They've always just been that like, They've been there, you know? I, I liked them from the start, though. But I did listen to it as well. And I did have some standout tracks. Yeah. Did you have some? Well, well, Celebrate. Celebrate and... is my standout Yeah, that's track. a great song. So good. It's a bop. It's a bop. It's and... a literal bop. But I did want to highlight something here. Um, The final song, Walls, yeah, featuring John Bellion, uh, he went to college with me. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. that's so cool. There you go. And In the Bellion. video. Yes. Uh, yeah, and uh, I also really loved Vacation Eyes and I loved Summer Baby. And I liked Waffle House. <laughs> I just loved it. <laughs> I feel like I need to go on a road trip and just uh, over and over again play it. His favorite thing about pop music is like, does it, does it play in the car? I know. And also, I will say this. If you really listen to those lyrics of Little Bird. Now, aren't, the, well, two, one of them is a father now. Are are. are I don't think all three of them are fathers, but I think one of them has a baby or maybe two of them. Anyway, was that bird, that song Little Bird about a baby, like little fingers or hands holding onto my hand? There was like all those lyrics. And then there was like this lyric when I really started to tear up. I was like, this is musical theater. It was at the <laughs> end when he was like, I hope a part of me stays in your soul when you go into the arms of someone else later oh. in your life or something. I was like, oh my God. Like, I, I'm so paraphrasing that, Jonas Brothers. I'm sorry. I'm butchering your lyric, but it's towards the end of the song. I'll find it. Oh my God. I just, this is like, this is like biting into an apple for the first time. That fresh, we needed this. We needed this. We didn't need sad right now. We didn't mm -hmm. need moody and yeah. loud, aggressive. We want, we needed the splashy fun. Oh, I'm going to listen to it every day. I need the album. Is the album out yet? Can we buy it? 
It's out today. No, like the vinyl. Oh, I mean. the vinyl. Uh, they probably have a vinyl. Oh. We'll have to see. All right. Anyway, uh, love that. I know we're almost ready. But they... Yes. One last thing, too, here. Just your opinion on them. They've been in the music industry for over a decade now. Yeah. They've had longevity in the, the pop space. As a maturing group of young men, do you think they're doing everything right? 100%. And how do you kind of feel like with their solo careers and then bouncing back and forth in between Jonas Brothers to like Nick Jonas doing his own stuff, Joe Jonas doing his own stuff, also Joe Jonas doing his stuff with DNC. Yeah. To me, the way I look at it is don't, you don't have to fix what's not broken. It's very clear that the three of them work well together. Mm -hmm. You want to do solo stuff, fine. You might need to understand that it's never going to be as successful as when the three of you are together. Because you're selling out stadiums together and you're on Broadway five nights in a row when they were there a few months ago together. And if it was just Nick Jonas on Broadway, sure, it would have still sold. But like there's something about them together. It's like the Beatles. And then when Paul McCartney went on his own, like, sure, great. But like then it's like the Beatles are, you know, you look at, uh, but they're doing everything right. They, They crawled out of the Disney and they didn't like like run away from Disney and bash it and have this whole, like I have to reinvent myself. They just like got out of Disney and then kept going. Yeah. I just, I love, love, love it. I really, really can't stop thinking about it. All right. I'm sorry. I'm like gonna be a mile tickets. a minute. We got to go. I loved it. Anyway. Okay. Okay. It's time for the pop music drop countdown. Yes. Um, and I'll explain how it works always, but I select my top six songs of the week, and Richie will decide if they are a bop or a flop. Yes. So starting in sixth place, we have Alexandra Stan and Mattin with B is Fire. <laughs> B stands for something that we can't say. Because I don't want to explicit. Yes, writing. but I loved this. Great. Do you know Alexandra Stan is the Mr. Saxo Beat? Mr. Saxo Beat. Oh, mm-hmm. love it. Mm-hmm. Well, this song is great. And I love great. it. Yes, Bob. Then uh, Becky Hill and Lewis Thompson, Side Effects. Also, Bob loved it. Great vibe there. Great vibe. Great dance pop yep. track. Um, Janelle Monet, uh, Lipstick Lover. And talk about vibe. Yeah. This is a capital V vibe on this. Vibe. Yeah. She also announced a new album is coming. It's oh, love that. I love her. The Age of Pleasure. Yeah, she's great. I love how she really incorporates just like sexual things and themes into her music and she owns it oh yeah so she's good. so good at what she does i love it then we have camille featuring the legendary nile rogers legend and this song is muscle memory great too bop. also great loved it loving all of this bop. obviously now um album of the week that we just talked about jonas brothers my celebrate. tech celebrate yeah i'm like can we can, at any wedding or party coming up this summer can they just make sure they play celebrate because like Right? Yes. Is this taking place of celebrate? Is this going to be the new? Mm-hmm. I don't know. We'll see. Um, and then last but not least, Allison Goldfrapp, who also released her album today, Gato Gelato. So this was the only one I was still a little bit on the fence about. I like it, but it's a lot. It's like nothing lyrical. So it's just a beat to me. Well, so I'm like, it okay, a- it's like house music-y, I get it. But it didn't really do much for me like the others did. Not classic pop, but yeah. it is a very well-crafted song. Well, I you say. could tell that it's instrumental. Yes. Yeah. Electronic sure. pop. Yeah. So I, I liked it, but I just yes. didn't like it as much as the others. So, you know, there we go. Yes. 
Whoa. Gosh, that flew by, Jeff. We, Ooh, we, the bell's late we, today. I know. Oh, <laughs> all right, well, we'll wrap it up for y'all. Yes, we're going to wrap it up. You all know what time that that bell means. So uh, thank you all for tuning in to this episode of Half Hour with Jeff and Richie. We hope you enjoyed our conversation. If you found this episode informative and entertaining, please consider subscribing to our podcast and leaving us a review on your favorite platform. Your feedback is important to us, and it helps us create more content for you in the future. Mm-hmm. We also encourage you to engage with us on social media you can find us on instagram and tiktok at half hour podcast we love hearing from our listeners and we welcome your comments questions and suggestions for future episodes so now that that's done we're gonna see you again next monday yes we have more shows to talk about a couple more shows to see tony Ward predictions episodes come up in a few weeks too we're gonna have yeah. a whole episode coming up all just about our tony words predictions i can't mm-hmm. wait for that so make sure you're tuning in every monday take a listen so signing off for now i'm rich and i'm jeff saying ta-ta bye Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Hey, Drew Scott here, and I'm Jonathan Scott, reminding you that life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance. They can help you get just the right protection at just the right price and help you save when you bundle home and auto. Kind of like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It'll be just right for you. We love a custom build. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.